Hello and welcome to episode 258 of the Waters Waveland podcast. I'm your host, Weishan, and I have Tony with me here today. Hey, T, how's it going? Going well. I apologize. I have my Beats headphones on, and I don't think that they record as well as the normal headset that I have on. So if it's coming in not quite great, I blame the technology of Beats and, you know, not Microsoft Teams. <laughs> I actually feel that that is the case for wireless or like for Bluetooth headphones at least. So like it's always better if you have a plug-in, uh, whether it's a headphone jack or a USB kind of headphone plugged in, the sound quality is the best. Uh, but this will do for now, I guess. You you sound wonderful. And I, um, so we're using Microsoft Teams and, you know, Microsoft and LCG had a big, you know, announcement about pairing up today uh, recently. And, um, you know, maybe if they can make workflows and LCG, anyway, it's, it's a whole different thing. But we're on Teams. Sounds good. You have good headphones on. I have poor headphones on. But. What's more important is we have a guest today. Wei Shen, who's our guest today? <laughs> yes, we do have a guest. Uh, his name is Andrea Gentilini. He is the head of SEI Novus. So SEI Novus actually does uh, performance attribution, risk management, and reporting for institutional investors, which basically both serve um, uh, asset allocators as well as asset managers. So we talk, uh, we get it, we, we kind of talk a little bit about Andrea's beef with uh, with the term target operating model, but we touched on a lot of other things like how um, uh, asset uh, asset allocators and managers deal with technology changes, and you know how they should be looking at that, and why they are so reluctant sometimes to kind of uh, look in the mirror. So yeah, we talk about that. Sounds awesome! I can't wait. Let's listen to it together. Cool, let's go. Okay, and now we're joined with uh, Andrea Gentilini. Uh, he's the head of SEI Novus. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, just before we start and jump into our topic for the day, uh, perhaps you can give an overview of yourself uh, as well as, uh, you know, SEI Novus. Absolutely. So I am a trained engineer. Uh, I have a master's in chemical engineering and I really insisted. So I went for a PhD in electrical engineering, really liked it. And then um, decided that I was going to pursue a career in business. I was a management consultant for a while, which is frankly a, a paid school to find out what you want to do in life. I fell in love with uh, investments, financial markets more broadly, and then um, did a variety of things over there. I was a banker at Lehman for a while until the end, through to the end. Mm. And then um, there I was advising hedge fund managers, and it was the beginning of the boom, uh, 2006, 2007 were the years. And um, I was fascinated about what they were doing for reasons that I can explain in a second. So I decided to become one and did so at uh, UBP, a bank in uh, Geneva, where 
together with two partners, we set up a commodity trading slash investment operations. And uh, we started with a precious metal derivatives fund, which we launched, raised capital for and managed for about three years. And so the, the reason why I've, I wanted to do that job is because uh, financial markets are absolutely fascinating. There's a ton of numbers. There's a ton of an anal analysis. A, 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 even more impressive. I was looking for something higher than ton, but I can't find it. Um, even more uh, of opinions, views, sometimes uh, spoken very assertively. And there is a little bit of science with some of the frameworks that were put forth in the 60s and 70s, but there is no deterministic law that will tell you how markets are going to work. So you do need a fair bit of intuition and uh, a, a kind of different mathematical approach to the problem. So, and I was going through these, these investigations while the industry seemed to be very convinced on not doing that. What do I mean by it? Uh, allocators seeking to make investments into hedge funds, we're doing so based on highly qualitative things. Uh, I had lunch with you and I feel the tiger in your eyes kind of stuff, right? And <laughs> enormous mistakes were made. Uh, you know, Madoff is just the tip of the iceberg. Every year there's one. And for those of you that think that I am over-dramatizing this, just think back of Archegos a few months back or the Alliance blow up of the option trading book. Um, there were billions of dollars invested into these managers without much understanding about what they were doing. And this deferential okay, attitude towards he's the king, we can't bother him with tedious questions on data, you know? Okay, so, so trace back to, to that period. Um, conversely, the managers that were receiving the money from the allocators and were putting that money to work in financial markets to uh, track a mandate or um, achieve the outcome, they uh, were really not having a good handle on their skill set. You know, do we speak about performance? Performance is the ultimate outcome, but it's not the uh, metric on which you uh, do feedback. There's a couple of analogies that I could think of. For example, if you have fever, okay, fever is a symptom. Yes, you can have uh, measures to cool it down if you put ice on your or on your forehead, etc. But what you gotta do is investigate if there's an infection and where and treat it with the right antibiotic. Okay. So mm -hmm. in markets, performance is the outcome, but it's not by looking at that that you're gonna change anything. You gotta look at the process and be sure that you distinguish um, what's a good process and a bad outcome, a bad process and a good outcome. So you have a matrix, and it's way more complicated just by introducing a new dimension. Way more complicated. And not a lot of people were paying attention to this. And I felt it's actually quite an interesting question to, to answer. So I joined Novus. I met the founder um, in 2013. And he was like, you know, I'm very frustrated with the way people are investing in managers. They're not looking, they're not looking at data. They, they, they make enormous blow-ups, but uh, also they pass on great opportunities. And so we got together and I took over the expansion of the business into uh, the first international markets. Novus was just a U.S. operations back then in 2013. So I, I did um, build the European and uh, Asian business with uh, a few colleagues in uh, first in Zurich and then in London. So that's uh, that's a little bit of background. So Novus today, 
is a firm that uh, is part of the SCI, uh, of, of the SCI larger uh, financial conglomerate. SCI acquired Novus last year. And so the team now operates as a part of the institutional business within SCI. Uh, enormous synergies uh, to be exploited there. SCI is a financial powerhouse that has a very strong tech DNA and serves the very same clients we do with outsourced CIO services. We do the tech part, so it's a phenomenal symbiosis to be able to be relevant to that client group with everything that they will need, whether it's tech on the left side of the spectrum through to a completely outsourced investment program, which is on the right side of the spectrum and anything in between. And of course, there's broader synergies within other groups. SCI also has a fund administration business and managers that are served by that division would benefit from an attribution and portfolio intelligence uh, platform like we do. So that's in short, a little bit of background. Actually, not so short, I'm afraid. <laughs> 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 that, that that's that's great. I actually want to come back to that fever analogy that you were talking about earlier, and uh, how allocators look at the performance attribution uh, performance in, in that way, right? Um, so why were they looking at it as as though it's a fever, not treating the symptoms and and not looking at the data and how is that now changing? Because data has flooded the market, right? right. And uh, asset managers, and I guess hence allocators, are have been looking at new ways to generate alpha using any data that they can get their hands on today. Um, but, you know, in speaking to other people, and we have definitely written about this before, um, mm -hmm. just getting the data is not enough. Right. Um, you need they need context. You need to provide context to that mm -hmm. data in order to use it and to, you know, glean more uh, valuable insights that, you mm -hmm. know, that can use to either make a, a good investment decision or, yeah, like that. So, right. yeah. Yeah, no, so that makes sense. So let's replay what happened in the last decade, which is very, very telling of where we are today. So if you go back to 2007 and 2008, the keyword was paranoia slash secrecy. I, I kid you not, I had heard people saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't ask that question to the manager. It's the same mad of copycat because the managers, the hedge fund managers were the, the king of the universe and, you know, you, you didn't dare asking for, can you show me attribution by position, you know? Um, so the world has changed. Uh, I think, unfortunately, it, it cost the world um, how many billions of dollars Madoff uh, has stolen from investors, but the, the lesson was learned and um, now if you are a manager and you have a big ticket from an institutional investor, you are going to provide transparency. The other thing that changes is cultural. And uh, also there, nothing is more powerful than an analogy. You know, uh, Airbnb, uh, Facebook was just at the beginning, it did not exist in 2007, okay? And so if people are sharing their bedrooms or couches with complete strangers. What do you think is the drama about sharing portfolio positions every now and then? So the sharing economy has also changed completely uh, the, the power. So you're right in what you had said earlier, data started to trickle in. And this is where the problems started too, because people got very excited very quickly. Oh, I got data, now I will 
potentiate my decision power and how many insights am I going to, to get? Um, the reality is that the data while flowing is hard to make sense of for very uh, unattractive data specific problems, which means the data comes at different frequencies. It is spelled out at different um, aggregation levels. Sometimes you get position level transparency, sometimes you don't. But the stuff that you get as an alternative may actually be useful. Three, they come in all sorts of formats: XML, Excel, CSV, TXT, uh, PDFs, paper. Kid you not, sometimes I get a physical envelope pertaining to some uh, of our clients' balances and transactions. So wow. there's a lot of work. I mean, before you can start to make an analysis, you're going to, to have to spend so much time in tedious data tasks, which are really taking the life out of you. So this is where technology is badly needed. And this is where we made our mark in the world, which is, yes, analytics are fantastic, but let's not forget that in order to have those be useful, we have to have control on those data coming in. So the classical example is if you are the CIO of a multi-asset uh, program, footnote, all CIOs all have multi-asset programs. There's no CIO of just uh, you know, European long-only equities if you are an, an asset owner. They are going to have investments globally across all asset classes and information will flood back um, like there's no tomorrow. Typically, investment offices are, are very, very lean. And people want to invest. They don't want to do copy paste from data uh, coming in a PDF into an Excel to do a PowerPoint to do an investment committee presentation uh, in three months. Mm. So that created this shock in the system, which is uh, finally, we would say, coming to a point of rupture and pain. And we say finally because if there is no pain, people don't move. You know that. We I can tell you that as as being a, a technology provider. Um, now the pain is enormous, the pressure is intense, and it's associated with the understanding from the side of the, the buy side, the asset owners, that the build in-house is actually not an option anymore. So this is the new area of uh, data trickles in. We definitely want to go back to analytics at some point, but we still have a lot of work to do. So you asked the question about the temperature. Let me bring it all back there. The temperature was the only thing that they had. Again, 10 years ago, can't blame anybody for looking at whether or not to keep investing in a manager based on performance. It was the only data point people had, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's highly flawed, as we said, based on the temperature analogy. It is possible, uh, if you are Novus clients, of course, a little bit of advertorial here, to <laughs> arrive at extremely insightful investment decision on a manager that you invest into by looking at fundamentally what they do through position level data. But I just want to bring everyone's attention that in order to arrive at that ultimate outcome, you need to work on the on the on the former pieces and we support you in, in that journey. OK, that's interesting uh, and that uh, I think that kind of plays well into our uh, kind of the topic that I actually wanted to speak to you about today, which is, you know, the target operating model. I know you have a little bit of beef about that, uh, <laughs> beef with that, with that term uh, specifically. Um, you know, first of all, what does it mean? Because I have seen descriptions of it, uh, you know, being uh, at, at, that it is, you know, the desired state of the operating model at organizations. Mm -hmm. um, 
those are some nice words, but uh, you know, yeah. maybe distill it down for me. Um, what does it mean? Correct. So why is it there? And why was it not before? It's just a consequence of the pain that I described to you earlier. Um, investors have, in, in you know, 10 years ago, have shied away from embracing tech. They said, oh, but you know, I can still do it with my pen and paper. This is the Warren Buffett where we invest. You're like, forget it. In any professional investment firm today, that won't fly. Um, so now you're forced to, to think about it. And technology has come to your face so aggressively, so violently, and has created so much thinking that all the buy side is now facing the question, oh my God, uh, maybe I buy a tech for selecting managers. Maybe I buy tech to log the call notes with the managers. Maybe I buy tech to run attribution on my portfolio. But if I buy five techs, how do I integrate them? And if I cannot integrate them, who can do this for me? Shall we hire to integrate? Who's the best in class? And so all of these have, questions have led to massive identity crisis, massive, correctly so. That's where the target operating model comes in, which is a buzzword that is emerging today that essentially says, wait a minute, before we make any arrest decisions about buying here and buying there, let us think about what we want, how we want to operate. So this is interesting because tech has been so violently in their agendas that has brought investors to rethink the very same way they do business. And by the way, is it something new? Of course not. Look at what tech disrupted out there. It was about time that the same disruption happened in, um, in the asset owner and in the buy side, the investment world. So good news there. Nothing against that. Now we are playing, I think we're in, in an era where all these questions are being ruminated upon. And the, the beef that I have with the world is that it is being dealt with in classical asset owner style, which is infinite horizon, infinite time horizon. And we are in the tech world. So let me explain what that means. You hear asset owners say, oh, you know, we have a hundred year investment horizon. We should fix with a sovereign wealth fund. That's what they think of. They think for the next two, three, four, five generations. So when we come with tech, their time frame is we want to do something for the next hundred years. And our point as tech professionals is like, ladies and gents, if you look at the speed at which changes occurred in the last three years, I'm not even saying 10, three years, by the time you've concluded your process, we may have a completely different tech stack. Okay, so which brings me to this agile uh, way of working, which I'm sure you've heard and everybody speaks about it, but not a lot of people feel it. So in the clash of these two worlds, the asset owner with an infinite time horizon to make decisions about this and the tech world, which is moving at an extremely fast pace, there has to, to, to come uh, a different dialogue. So what's healthy about the TOM, let's call it like that, the target operating model, it's a right approach not to make rash decisions and get into tech chaos. Um, however, it's probably taking too long. At the end of the day, from an asset owner perspective, what really matters is what's the quality of the tech you have in front. And more importantly, as usual, this hasn't changed, the people behind it. Are they incentivized for the long term? Are they rewarded on success? Are they well paid? Because that's another point 
about our world that the glory seems to be in those making the investment decisions, not in those making the software to power them. The balance is changing, but it's hard to accept for a CIO to say, wait a minute, the engineers are paid that much. Oh yes, this is this is exactly what uh, also the technology disruption evolution is is meaning for this world. Finally, the engineers, you know, <laughs> they, they're they're right back. Oh, that's that's an in, that's a really interesting point there. I mean, and, and leading into the the Tom, um, but how are okay? So you say that they they see it as, but particularly for asset owners, um, the Tom is you know they have an, a, a long investment horizon as you mentioned, and the yeah. same approach to technology. Um, but maybe looking at their managers, who are the you know the asset management firms, mm-hmm. uh, that you know, are investing on behalf of these asset owners. How are they approaching uh, the TOM? And why is the way, uh, has the way that they've approached it um, changed at all? You know, especially, you know, when they want to start using, um, you know, so-called new technologies like AI and machine learning, cloud APIs, and to some extent, maybe even DLT. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for managers, the situation is slightly different, but the principles are more or less the same. So it's not a surprise to you that, for example, the glorious hedge funds are not too much in vogue these days. Okay. All the money is going into private markets for reasons that I, I shall not comment upon. But uh, some of this is healthy, frankly, because um, hedge funds, they charge 220. Where's the alpha? A lot of it's uh, dissipated. Um, there's not a, not a lot of differentiation. The market is overflooded with providers and, and it's hard and it's really hard. We have served many of those and many of those have closed shop just because it was not fun anymore simply to, to uh, raise a business. Uh, now, grant you, we still have clients. They're still doing great and there will always be room for excellence. It's just more competitive today than it was 10 years ago. So what changed there? Uh, Going back to first principles and, and simple considerations. If you want to outperform the market, you need to have a sustained information advantage. Okay. You need to know things before others. You need to know things that matter more than things that others know. Okay. So there were two things in the last decade that have sort of like impaired the sustained information advantage, the traditional one that hedge funds have flourished on. The first one was access to privileged information. The famous, let me meet the company's management and see if I can glean from the discussion whether or not they're gonna be beating the expected uh, quarterly earnings, okay, results. And, you know, there were a lot of like, uh, let's call it for what it is, insider trading scandals. Uh, This is really unfortunate for the world. Uh, It's an abuse of, anyway, thankfully, the regulators have caught this up. There is regulation FD, it's super tight, fantastic. Thank you regulators for having uh, put an end to this unfair competitive advantage. The other piece is the information is ubiquitously available. I remember when I started my career, uh, someone who had way more, many more decades of experience than myself told me that his competitive advantage in investing at the beginning of his career was to have the Wall Street Journal at five o'clock in the morning before everybody else. Is that sustainable in the era of Twitter? Information is free, ubiquitously available, um, and rich, deep. So those things are gone. 
Mm. I call those the exogenous uh, information sources. What's left is the so-called endogenous information sources. What do I mean by that? It means that if you put money to work, you'll do so in a way that's very close to your DNA and psychology as a person. And as our spouses keep reminding us, we don't change that much for as much as they would like to and remind us every day, okay? So through data, this is now it comes to data. We can show you that your reaction to certain market configurations will always be the same. If a stock goes down, either you will buy more or you will freeze or you will sell, which are the classical flight, fright, uh, was fight, flight, and flee responses. Mm -hmm. You typical human being. And I can give you 55 other uh, things. So now, if we see from the data, and you need gazillions of data to arrive at something meaningful, by the way, that these are your configurations, and then we can show you that some of those are not additive to return, now we can change something, okay? Now we have an actionable insight. So now we have a clear view of what is the infection that causes the temperature and where do we need to act? And that's what managers, some of them are acting on, not all of them. I'm still personally very disappointed about the lack of the industry embracing this philosophy, um, but the results are spectacular for those who embrace the journey, spectacular. I mean, it's basically the uh, principle of looking in the mirror, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have spoken also in the past to some other uh, firms that do provide the, this technology, basically tracking mm -hmm. a, a specific manager's um, uh, performance or reactions over over time in a certain portfolio. And then, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes they can use this to also compare to either um, other internal asset manage uh, other internal fund managers, or mm -hmm. even against uh, someone else in another firm, a competing firm doing the exact same or similar mm -hmm. strategy. Um, and then, you know, putting firm against firm as well. So Correct. these technologies are available today to asset managers. Are they actually really being used uh, and 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 how, if so, I mean, there's this, I mean, it would be great to, you know, say, have a, something, you know, to say in our deal. I was like, oh, uh, you know, you didn't clean the dishes today. I see that every time you eat late, for example, mm -hmm. you put the dishes in the sink, you don't wash them. But if you eat earlier, there's a higher chance of you washing them, for example. I mean, that's yes. a that's a dumb analogy, but. <laughs> it's very true, yeah. by the way. I, I, when you were saying that, like, Oh gosh, like, did you, how could you know, you know? <laughs> I freaked out for a second because yesterday I did watch the soccer match and yes, uh, the dishes unfortunately had to be dealt with this morning. So for a second, you got me. <laughs> yeah, you did. Okay, so why is it not, is it used? So no, it's not used as much as it ought to be. Um, I find it uh, uh, personally, okay a little bit um, um, mischievous is probably the, the, the wrong adjective here, but sort of like, then what exactly am I paying you for? If you don't mm -hmm. do that, I'm paying a portfolio manager hefty fees to generate alpha, and 
if I'm not seeing the portfolio manager taking a really hard look at what they do well and don't do well in the spirit of ameliorating that, then it's sort of like mm, falling short on my expectations. But I have expectations in general, so maybe that doesn't apply to others. But do the, asset owners actually look at, at, at their managers and say, uh, yeah. I want you to do to use this. Yeah. So, so then, yeah, they're paying yeah. fees. Then where are yeah, and then, yeah. So I think that the unfortunate, remember that deference that we spoke about, which caused mad of like disasters, a little bit still there. So unfortunately, asset owners are still very deferential to the managers. They think, you know, they're God on earth and they don't ask the tough questions. Some of, by the way, there's exceptions to it. I'm speaking about generally what's happening out there. Mm -hmm. Now, from the perspective of the manager, if I am also crit critiquing ourselves, okay, as technology providers, we're we're marching on that course still. And I think we have room to make that discovery easier. We sure do. Let me explain why. Uh, let's just accept that our lives, unfortunately, today are manipulated by tech. We think we are in charge, okay? I'm going to go back to the classic deliberate arbitrio, the middle-aged de debate as of whether we really choose what we choose to do. Right yeah. now, we're completely, we are completely manipulated, completely, and we don't even know it because it acts on our subconscious. So all the, the, the screen time, the notifications, the apps, the we are completely manipulated. Part of it is completely insane. I have a teenage daughter, so you know we can talk about that in a second, but part of it is actually cool because the YouTube recommended videos, maybe they don't make me waste time in things that I'm not interested into. So there is a healthy portion of that. So unfortunately, the technology is not there yet to completely pop up the message you just alluded to. Hey, like like an SMS. I've just um, I've just realized that whenever you eat late, the dishes are not there. Want to check this out? You know, stuff like that. It is. There are some firms, by the way, um, that do that. Okay, they have mm -hmm. nudges, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we also need to understand that our buyer is, by definition, highly skeptical, extremely skeptical. Correctly so. That's their strength. They're on the buy side. Remember, so. They could be buying everything every day in the tens of the thousands, but they don't. They choose to buy the two things that matter. So by definition, their approach is to say no to things. So when your notification pops up and says, hey, you're, you're, you keep buying mid-cap financials in Europe, you have a zero betting average at that. You really want to continue? A, they're not going to believe that. B, they're going to see it as a challenge, and they're going to they're go for that. So we need to find a better way to hit them. With that insight, uh, and and right now, uh, because of their skepticism, our technology is one where, as soon as they start asking challenging questions, we can react with different ways of slicing and dice. So the process is arduous. In other words, in order for you to have conviction on one item, you have to try to kill it fifteen times. If you fail, then you can uh, rest assured that there's something in there. This is, by the way, nothing new. It has nothing to do with the, the psychology of the user, as we discussed. It's just plain statistics. you got to do that. Uh, keep rejecting the null hypothesis until you find something new. So this is where, you know, maybe to put something on us to do, we have room to make it easier while maintaining the same rigor behind the conclusion. 
um, mm. which is particular to our industry. You're not going to challenge the YouTube recommendation, are you? You're not going to say, hey, what did you say that I need to watch this video next? You know, <laughs> nobody just do it. Hmm. That's yeah, that's interesting. I think it I mean, uh, as you mentioned, these these technologies are still being developed as uh, I think the company that maybe you were thinking about earlier was um, Essential Analytics. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that they do provide nudges to portfolio managers. Um, but at, at the end of the day, obviously, it's up to the manager to actually decide whether they want to act on it, right? It, and then, Correct. I mean, the system, the the system can just keep rec recommending um, if they don't want to listen or they right. don't want to take a look at it. Um, you know, they are so focused and um, uh, what do you call that word? Um, they, they, yeah, they're like a horse with blinders on. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they don't, they can't see it any other way. Then there's no, there's almost no point to having that notification in the first place. Whereas, you know, let's say you're looking, uh, I mean, taking this down to, uh, I guess, a more uh, uh, you and I kind of tech, you know, looking yep. at your Apple Watch going like, oh, I've been sleeping very late lately. So like I haven't been getting enough rest. So like, you know, I, my heart rate's up. I, you know, I need, I need a way to kind of, um, maybe it means I need to sleep earlier and longer, you know, and then I, yeah. I can get my stats back. But I mean, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right in that the tech is controlling us now and we just, mm -hmm. we're just like going along with it. It's, oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to be in the bearer of bad news on an earlier uh, Wednesday morning, but unfortunately it is like that. But look, be, before the other piece that I also want to be humble about is, look, all these things are phenomenal huh? and they're so exciting and both Ascension and ourselves have our uh, list of successes which are completely amazing. Finally, all the stuff we learned about sports and coaching and feedback loops, blah, 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 has landed on investments. However, um, it suffices. It would be great if the world only got to the point of awareness. I'd be happy with that. And the angle that we at Novus also want to achieve is awareness between the portfolio managers and the asset owners. Okay, that's the target operating model to go back to this one that uh, we are facilitating is a world where we update the information asymmetries. This is our strongest vision for the next 30 years. One where if you, if you think about where we started, which is I give you money, I know nothing, I am deferential to you. I'm scared about asking questions because you're God on earth to a world where you're sending me stuff. What's next? It's a world where I see you managing your portfolios like if I was doing that. Hmm. So you completely abate the information asymmetry. This is our, our bet on, world, on where the world is going. And uh, like anything in life, what you're going to see in that journey is that at some point I'm going to ask, wait a second, but if I see the stuff that you do as you do, why can't I do it myself? And so some of that will happen. It always does, which means technologies democratize access, if you think about it, right? Even our iPhones have democratized access to anything, uh, always, everywhere. And so the tendency to, the, the fake uh, possibility of control always pops up, which is, oh, but if I have access to it, then I can do it myself, can't I? Then we will realize that no, we can't. Because if we have 10 investments, then we can't be 10 CIOs at the same time. So we will retrace back, but it will be a healthy world. It will be a world where 
I give money to you. There's no information asymmetry between us, but you have the time to manage my assets according to that mandate. And there's others that will do the same. And I manage 10 of you and I'll do so without the need for so much drama, but asking what are you doing, how you're doing, etc. And you are going to be on the same page. There's not going to be a lot of explaining for you to do when things go wrong and a lot of crisis meetings for nothing, which are one of our industry's major wastes of time. <laughs> Gigantic indeed. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Andrea. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, day to chat with me. Absolutely. Thank you, Wei Shen. It's been a pleasure.